What is going on, everybody? I hope you're all having a great day today. This is Alex from the Fresh Fantasy Podcast, and this is the 10th episode. Today, I'll be covering my five biggest running back busts slash players to avoid in fantasy football this year. These are guys that you could say that just aren't going to live up to their expectations. So either I don't want them at their price or they're just not going to live up to how fantasy managers are drafting them. But I have a special guest joining me today again. He's a guest that I've had on already. He's great. He is one of the most popular fantasy football pages on Instagram with over 40,000 followers. He is the fantasy football analyst. Joe, what's going on, man? What's up, man? I, I, th- I think I'm just going to start coming out to hear you say that. I just like uh, hearing that uh, that glout and hearing all that attention right when I get on. So maybe I'll just uh, hop on once a week to get my self-esteem up. But yeah. thank you. Yeah, anytime, anytime it's a rainy day, just let me know and I'll get you right on. You know, fun fact, it is raining right now, right? Interesting. I, I knew. I had a feeling. I had a feeling. <laughs> All right, so right before we get into our, our five biggest busts slash players to avoid, how about we just go over just a couple little tidbits of NFL news? I'll give you a couple quick fire things and you can just tell me what you think. Sure. All right, so the first one, I'm going to hit you with three. First one, Chris Hogan just with the Jets. Uh, that's because Denzel Mims was hurt, his hamstring running roots the other day in training camp. And the big piece of news is that people that contract COVID-19 are supposed to for three months. So the guys that we were scared of drafting because of COVID-19 might actually be assets because guys like Zeke, TJ Hawkinson, those guys are going to be immune for about three months. So they're going to be basically immune from COVID throughout the whole football season, if that's true. What do you think about that? Yeah, so um, the study part of the study was that they it showed um, people who contracted COVID nineteen would have immunity for three months or longer. So uh, in some cases, it could be even longer than that, and you would hope three months of the season they can kind of contain and you know have the form teams form their own bubbles and it won't be too much of an issue as the season goes on, uh, or vice versa. Who knows if it's going to be a crazy season, but. I mean, if anything, that's great. Like what you said, those players can become an asset. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's if you start drafting in that direction, if you look for guys like Kenny Galladay or TJ Hawkinson, it could really benefit you in the long run. So, uh, yeah, I'm definitely on board with that. As far as Chris Hogan, the Jets, um, the Jets for a little while were saying they wanted to sign a veteran wide receiver. And the fact that it's Chris Hogan is fantastic because there's guys like – Des Bryant, who for the last like week or so has been like, I'm going to sign soon. I'm going to sign soon. I just got great news. So I'm going to sign. And then he's like, I had a little interaction with Le'Veon Bell on Twitter. So I'm like, is Des Bryant better come in and like wreck my Chris Herndon dreams and take away all those touchdowns? But, but nope, it's just Chris Hogan. So uh, yeah. And fun fact, Chris Hogan has now played for every single AFC East team. Wow. Including the That's Dolphins. fun. Yeah, he, I think he was on the, Dolphins for a game or early in his career or he was drafted by them. I don't know what the story is with the Dolphins, but we remember his time with Buffalo and New England, obviously. Yeah, no, that's that's awesome. That's that's interesting. Yeah, but I, I like what you said that this point in the offseason, you don't really want guys like Devontae Freeman signing to your team to a team where you have a fantasy player on because that really muddles um the the impact that that uh that you're sorry, whoever you could have is. And I think Hogan's a guy that he's not going to come in and you're not going to worry about him taking all Le'Veon Bell's targets or 
Brashad Perryman or Chris Herndon and, and guys like that. So I think that's for fantasy wise, it's it's good for us because we don't have to worry about him. Absolutely. It's probably best case scenario. Yeah, absolutely. All right. With that, let's get into our biggest running back bust slash players to avoid. Who's your number five? All right. So my number five uh, flopped between two guys here, but I'm, I'm going to go with Marlon Mack. I'm going to start with the easy one. I mean, this guy's being drafted in the seventh round for whatever fucking reason. I don't I don't know why you would even touch this guy in the seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth, eleventh, twelfth. He, he's one of those guys where if it's the fifteenth, sixteenth rounds, and I'm like, yeah, if Jonathan Taylor gets hurt, maybe he will have value. Like that I, I don't understand what people are expecting from him. Like even if he gets hundred carries, right? Let's say he gets hundred carries in the year, he has over four yards per carry. He's not the goal line guy. He's not he, he's not going to be the receiving back. He's going to be a change of pace guy, and that's that's it. I mean, he, could he have a game here or there where he gets over 10 points? Maybe. We don't even know that for a fact because Jonathan Taylor is going to be huge for that team. So uh, I'm, I'm completely avoiding Marlon Mack. For anyone who thinks he has any sort of value in the seventh round is just uh, a, little, a little ridiculous for me. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And if anyone that's seen the pictures of Jonathan Taylor, I mean, he looks like a linebacker. He's he's one of the fastest guys that's coming. I think he's the fastest running back in the entire draft. And with that offensive line, I think he's going to take over pretty early. And it's just going to make Marlon Mack useless. And not even that, but um, one of the guys I really like is Naheem Hines. And Hines, yeah, so. he had like uh, over 50 targets last year. And Marlon Mack had like 17. So Marlon Mack, even if he's the number two runner, he's clearly not the pass catching back or change of pace. Like he's not going to be there on third downs if they take Jonathan Taylor off the field. So uh, definitely just avoiding Marlon Mack in all aspects, all aspects this year. Yeah, no, I totally agree. All right. My number five is Cam Akers. I think it, it hurts him that um, he didn't have much of an off season with like COVID going on as a rookie, which I think could kind of muddle his situation. Um, Sean McVay, their coach, said that they could use a four-man running back by committee this year with Daryl Henderson, Malcolm Brown, and maybe even John Kelly. Um, I think that when a coach says something like that, it really scares me because I think Akers is going in about the sixth round right now. And I think that at that price, like if you really need a running back, he could be your last option for a real workhorse. But I think I'd even consider taking someone like Ronald Jones over him. And, I mean, they still have, like, the guy they drafted last year, Daryl Henderson. I don't think Henderson's going to do much, but I think Akers scares me enough that he won't get the workload. Like, if he was guaranteed the workload, I'd be a lot higher on him because it's not mm -hmm. about the talent. It's more about the situation. And the last thing that kind of also puts me off, just to kind of put a little cherry on top, is that apparently they're supposed to have the hardest schedule for running backs this year, which is also a little um, a little worrisome. So that's why I'm off Camp Akers. Yeah, and I think last year they had like the 32nd or 31st ranked offensive line when it comes to run blocking. So um, it's not a great situation uh, in Los Angeles. I'm a little mixed on Cam Akers. I, I don't – like from what he did at college, it was very impressive with the lackluster offensive line and just offense as a whole in Florida State. So if he can – bring some of that skill to the next level and if he can play like that he could definitely i think he's definitely going to be the starter like if there's four running backs it'll be their 1a but um when it comes down to it like you said like if they're going to have other guys rotating in and stuff like that it's going to get a little messy so uh six round isn't a bad price to play especially especially considering like there's 20 running backs gone by the end of the third round 
So when you're three rounds after that, it's like, I don't know what, you know, there's not going to be too many guys available, but um, yeah, I mean, at that point, it's, uh, it's it, if you can avoid him and get like someone, like you said, Ronald Jones, maybe DeAndre Swift or someone like that, I wouldn't be opposed to it. Yeah, totally agree. Another guy that, um, oh wait, I'm sorry, I just went, so you, you go. Your number four. <laughs> okay. It's my turn, man. <laughs> okay, so uh, another guy I have on my list, Aaron Jones. So Aaron Jones is someone I'm completely avoiding. He's going in the second round right now. He had a great year last year. It, what do you have, like 14, 15, 16 rushing touchdowns, something insane like that? 18, I think. 18. Oh, gosh. But either way, I mean, look, Aaron Jones is still going to have um, – he's still going to be part of the receiving game. He's still going to be very efficient in the red zone as he was last year. But they drafted A.J. Dillon in the second round for a reason, and Aaron Jones is going to be free agent after the season's over. So I think uh, A.J. Dillon, he's like Matt LaFleur's new Derrick Henry. He can be used a lot on early downs, and he can, as the year goes on, I think he's going to take more and more of that goal line red zone work. So uh, I think Aaron Jones definitely has the receiving game going for him, but those touchdowns are going to get cut in half. He's due for major regression uh, after the year he had last year so. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of Aaron Jones. He's also has he also has a bit of an injury history. He was able to stay healthy last year, but he's had uh, injury issues his first couple of years in the NFL. So I'm avoiding Aaron Jones in the second round. I think that's just too high of a price to pay for him. It's not going to be the same case it was last year. So I'm uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just avoiding him. Yeah, no, I I totally agree with you. Um, he's definitely a guy that I'm not not dying to draft whatsoever. Especially in the second round, um, they added AJ Dillon. Um, I was trying to pull it up here, but my my computer froze. But um, last year, when when Jamal Williams was playing, Aaron Jones didn't exceed like seventy percent of the snaps in any game that that uh, Jamal Williams was healthy. And a lot of his biggest games, like his game against the Cowboys, where he had four touchdowns, were games when either Devonte Adams wasn't playing or he was a little hurt or something like that. So when Jamal Williams was healthy and when uh, Devontae Adams was healthy. Aaron Jones just wasn't getting the same kind of volume, which I think is is a little scary. And then them adding A.J. Dillon, and they, they lost Brian Belago, who's one of their better offensive linemen. Um, yeah, it's just not something I – not a situation I want to draft when there's other guys going in the same range, like Miles Sanders, um, Josh Jacobs, Kenyon Drake, guys like that that I'd rather take over Aaron Jones. Yeah, I, I think there's a handful of guys that take over Jones. So it just wouldn't make sense to draft him in a second round ADP. But I, I like what you said about having those other guys out. Because if you think about what this offense is without Devontae Adams, I mean, just Devontae Adams, who else do they have? And if Jamal Williams isn't there, you have no choice but to run this offense through Aaron Jones. And that's what they did for a good part of last season. So I'm expecting that to change. Yeah, absolutely. So my next guy is a little more controversial, but it's just a guy that I'm really going to be avoiding as in a bust because he's going in the top six overall in fantasy drafts. And that's Derek 14th and expected points in half PPR last year, and according to like his volume and his situation, um, which kind of scares me. This is, that was according to the Fantasy Pros podcast. Um, he's coming off 415 touches last year, including the playoffs, and if there's anyone that can handle that big of a workload every year, it's probably Derrick Henry because he's such a a human, like, 
Tank. anomaly. But I think you never really like you can say, oh, well, yeah, volume this, volume that. But like, I think that it's something that's just a little bit concerning for me. And that the fact that they also lost Jack Conklin, who was one of the better run blockers in the entire NFL as a right tackle is also going to hurt um, their offensive line. And then last year, he also had 18 touchdowns, which beat his career high of 12. And I think that's definitely bound for, for some touchdown regression. And I think that, I mean, yeah, well, you give it to Derrick Henry on the one-yard line, like he's always going to score, sure. But anytime you get 18 touchdowns, you're probably not going to just repeat that every single year. And it's not a matter of like, oh, I think Derrick Henry's not going to be a good player this year. I just don't think he's worth a top six pick in, in half PPR leagues. Maybe in standard, definitely not in PPR. But I, I think Derek, I just prefer other guys rather than Derek Henry, especially when you're drafting in the first round. So I, I do have some counterpoints. I'm not a huge believer of Derek Henry either. I think I have him like 10th or 11th on the ranking. So I'm not taking him um, over guys like Dalvin Cook, especially now with the holdout news being um, that came out. Um, or like Josh Jacobs, Joe Mixon's. I, I take a lot of guys before I take a chance on Henry. Exactly. But – there isn't much of a role for Darrington Evans, at least so they've said. So, I mean, we, we've all assumed Darrington Evans is going to come in and play that Deion Lewis role and take that receiving work. But that may, may not be the case. Maybe, I mean, Derrick Henry has been capable in the receiving game. And if they want to keep him on the field, there is a chance he does get involved. And, and would you say if Derrick Henry got involved in the receiving game and got like a similar targets to what Deion Lewis did last year, maybe a little less? Would he be worth that top six overall pick? Uh, 100%. Um, it's just a matter of that he hasn't got the volume. Like, no, absolutely. And last uh, year, he had a career-high 24 targets, which is just concerning for me. Yeah, and I mean, I, I'm a believer, and I think that can go up, especially with Deion Lewis gone. I think they have like 90 uh, vacated targets, and Corey Davis is going to start the year potentially on the pup list after surgery in the offseason. So he could get involved in the receiving game early. But even then, I mean, like, this is a guy who can get 20 carries a game. But when he, with those 20 carries, you need him to get 100 yards and multiple touchdowns if he's not getting that receiving work. Because if he doesn't get 100 yards and multiple touchdowns, he's going to be averaging 15, 16 points a game at most. And that's not a top six pick. Yeah. And the other thing I want to mention, the Deion Lewis thing, is they could like, oh, what if he gets Deion Lewis's his targets? But. Lewis, like the last couple years, had gotten a lot more targets. Like in 2018, he had 67 targets and 155 carries. But last year, he only had 32 targets the whole entire year. And I was on 25 receptions for the whole year, which really isn't that much for a running back. And he only had 54 carries, which is an average of about less than four carries a game. So I think that I mean, he still, it wasn't like he was getting 100 targets and he was their pass catching back. I mean, Derrick Henry only had eight less targets than he did. So I thought that... In, if anything, I think that speaks to more positive news about Henry. Because if you look at the year prior, how many targets did Henry have in 2018? Do you have that in front of you or no? Uh, he had 20. Okay, and then he had 28 last year? 24. 24. Okay, so it went up a little bit. Um, <laughs> yeah. Point being, the gap between him and Deion Lewis got close. Like, it, the gap fell in. Yeah. There weren't as many targets to the running back position, sure. 
But at the same time, the gap got closer and the ratio of how much Deion Lewis is getting to how much Derrick Henry is getting got a lot, a lot closer. So with Deion Lewis out of the picture, even if Derrick Henry gets 40 targets, 45 targets, like yeah. that would that could be huge for him. It, you know, that could be yeah. 30 receptions. Yeah, if, if you told me that he's going to get 40 or 50 targets this year, I mean, I would say yes, like top six for me, I would draft him. But I just think that that volume is just going to be a little bit unreliable and I think their offensive efficiency they had last year has to go down at least a little bit and I think that's just why I would avoid him I'm not saying I don't I wouldn't draft mm-hmm. him just avoiding him in comparison to other players that are going after him because I think absolutely last year is pretty close to his absolute ceiling in terms of what he can produce and you know all it's going to take is one report like Derrick Henry it's going to be a beat writer or like just <laughs> someone is like oh Derrick Henry doesn't look bad he doesn't look awful in the receiving game and then his ADP is just going to skyrocket even more he's going to be a top four pick it's just yeah. how it's going to go yeah exactly exactly but I'd understand it I mean like you said if he, if he does get any improvement in the receiving game then he could easily be a top five running back for sure totally agree all right who is your number three all right, so we're we're in uh, agreement with these last three guys. Yep. So we have some options here. We both know who we want as our number one. Um, but I, I, I'm gonna, I, I think we're gonna start with James Conner here. So J- James Conner, um, he's going in the beginning of the third round, and I, I just I, I'm not buying into that for a couple of reasons. So injuries, to be honest, I'm not all too concerned. With James Conner's injuries, he had a lot last year, but prior to that, he didn't really have too much of an injury issue. Um, I, I'm just worried more so, first of all, about how many rushing attempts this offense is going to have because they had an abnormal amount, especially with Big Ben missing most, if not all, basically all of last year. So they had a lot more rushing. And then on top of that, he has Benny Snell, he has Anthony McFarland, he has Jalen Samuels, who are all behind him. We can all definitely see some work. But one of the biggest things for me is the, the the talk from the coaches. So I think it was Tomlin or the offensive coordinator. I'm not sure exactly who said it. But they, they basically said, like, you know, Connor's going to be our main guy, and we have guys behind him if he gets hurt. Like, we have – and they mentioned Benny Snell. Like, uh, if James Connor were to go down, we have Benny Snell. And they talk about – they're talking pretty highly of all the guys behind him. And they're talking – it's almost like it sounds like he's expendable. Like it sounds like James Connors, like one of those guys who like, you know, we'll keep giving him the carries to get hurt. We have other guys like it, it. That's not a vote of confidence for me when talking about James Connor. And at the same time, if Connor does miss a game or if someone kill, like Anthony McFarlane, someone I really like, if Anthony McFarlane comes in, rips off a big touchdown or just looks impressive, he could be the guy next week. I don't think James Connor's role is as secure as some might think. So, um, the fact that he's expendable and the coaches basically said that is just a huge no for me drafting with the third round when you can get David Johnson, you can get Todd Gurley, you can get Le'Veon Bell. I mean, you can get Chris Carson, you Melvin Gordon. Like there's so many other guys I'd rather take before I take a chance on James Conner. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And I think the, the, the funny thing here is like the reasons I had him as someone to avoid is actually the opposite of you, which I think makes me even believe in him more as a bust this year. And uh, Dr. Edwin Porras went on Justin Boone's The Score podcast. Um, For those of you who don't know who Justin Boone is, check him out. He is my favorite fantasy analyst in the entire industry. 
He was number one last year in accuracy for weekly rankings. Um, he's been in top 10 the last three years in draft accuracy for rankings. And he had Dr. Edwin Porras on who's uh, with uh, fantasy points. And he said that James Connors had a long injury of soft tissue injuries, mainly in his legs. And those things don't go away. It's similar to something like Will Fuller or T.Y. Hilton, that when you have a lot of like hamstring or thigh injuries, stuff like that, those tend to linger. And then on top of that, he said that this has been kind of wishy-washy with people in terms of they believe this or they don't. But I think it's worth noting that he said that him having cancer previously increases the likelihood of his bodily injuries. Like his body is just not as strong or equipped to handle some of it. And just every time he's gotten the workload, he just hasn't been able to to stay healthy. I mean, he got knocked out of a few games last year. And he, I mean, he came back the next game a few times, but he kept getting knocked out. And when he's getting a lot of carries, like you said, like he's, he, I mean, he's, I mean, I, if he, like, if you said, sorry, if he plays 16 games, the starting running back, he's a top 10 or a top five running back. But I just have zero confidence in the fact that he can play a full season, especially when he has some hungry guys behind him. I also, last night when I was researching James Conner, um, an article about Benny Snell came up that Mike Tomlin himself said that Benny Snell has a hugely improved physique this year. And I think on top of that, and guys like Anthony McFarlane that people are pretty high on, I mean, that just worries me too much to be able to take James Conner, especially when there's a lot of other guys, like you mentioned, that are going before him. So it's funny, if we combine both of our like quick analysis like on it, it makes so much sense that yeah. they would they would label him expendable, and then he has all these injury issues, and then he talks to like how much they like Bunny Snell as a backup and stuff like that. So uh, yeah, a hundred percent. Um, I think we're both on board with that. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's get into the number two. Number two, oh, Leonard Fournette. So we're both big Leonard Fournette haters. We talked about it a little bit before we started recording. But um, yeah. So I, I I'll take the lead here. Just uh, I, I hate him. Um, he's <laughs> that's it. That's the uh, um, he's going in the second round, similar to Aaron Jones. Sometimes getting the third, whatever it might be, it's just it, it's it's not worth his price. I mean, he had a hundred targets last year. It's definitely not going to happen again. Even if Gardner Minshew has the tendency to throw to running backs since college, whatever it is, I don't really care. They brought in Chris Thompson for a reason. Um, Jay Gruden, the new offensive coordinator, for whatever reason, he loves to give the receiving work to a different running back other than the starter. He likes these running backs to have defined roles. He likes to have somewhat of a committee. Like we saw that in Washington a lot over the years where when uh, Chris Thompson would get hurt, they would bring in Byron Marshall. When Byron Marshall, they had Capri Bibbs, Capri Bibbs, Wendell Smallwood. It was just these no-name guys. They'd pick up off the street and give them the receiving work because they don't want to give that work to the main running back, whether that's like factual or not or whatever. Chris Thompson's the better receiving back than Leonard Fournette. And Chris Thompson is going to be used in that way because that's his specialty. And if Chris Thompson does go down, I think Reichwell Armstead could see more of a work in the receiving game. But besides the point, I mean, this is going to be more of a pass oriented team. They have LaVisca Shilnot now. They have Tyler Eifert, TJ Shark coming off a big year. Like, they have other guys they can throw to. Leonard Fournette doesn't need to get 100 targets again like he did last year. And on top of that, the team hates him just as much as I do. I mean, the team tried to sell him so much um, 
during the draft. I mean, they were going to every team, sending out offers. Do you want Fournette? Do you want Fournette? Do you want Fournette? So Leonard Fournette could easily be traded midseason into a worse situation. I guess there's a small percentage it could be a better situation, but at the same time, what team needs a running back right now? And if he does get traded, which would be very ideal because he's going to be a free agent after this year, if he does get traded, it just adds a lot more risk to taking him in the second round. So I'm, I'm not a huge fan of Fournette at all. Yeah, I I completely agree. <laughs> Fournette is not a guy I want. I mean, last year he was 43rd out of 44 qualified running backs in yards created. Um, I don't have the number here, but he was also one of the few least efficient um, pass catchers last year based on everything. Um, like you said, I think there's other guys there that are going to catch passes. And with uh, Chris Thompson being there and Jay Gruden not liking to give the, the main running back the passing down work, I think that that really kind of concerns me, you know. And I think that it's just not a situation that I want to avoid. And especially when, like, this is not going to be a team that has a really good offense or defense. So especially the defense, they're going to be behind in a lot of games. And when they're behind, Chris Thompson's going to be on the field. If they're not going to give Leonard Fournette the receiving work, like he's not going to be on the field the amount of snaps that you need him. And I think the the biggest problem for me is that according to Fantasy Pro's consensus rankings, Fournette is the 17th running back off the board. Let me give you a couple of guys that are going after Fournette this year. Melvin Gordon, Le'Veon Bell, David Johnson, Jonathan Taylor, even David Montgomery. I mean, all these guys are going after Leonard Fournette. I mean, even I mean, James Conner is going after him, but I, I think I would, I think I'd have to take Fournette there, unfortunately. But I think I'd just have to like not draft either and just die. Yeah, I, I, literally, I'll, I'll take, uh, I'll take Damian Harris and the Patriots, even though Ooh. he probably won't even play. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just kidding there. But I think that Fournette is just going way too high, and people are counting on what he produced last year too much, and especially when the targets are go down. I am just completely off Leonard Fournette this year, and I will not own him in any leagues. Yep, that's how I feel about uh, all these guys. Yeah. Especially this last guy here, Raheem Mostert, drafted in the fifth, fourth, whatever the fuck round. Um, P.U. So if you if we were new to watching football and Kyle Shanahan run his offense, let me just give you the quick rundown. This is just the definition of the 49ers backfield. Tevin Coleman, uh, we, I think it was like week five, week six, week seven, whatever it was. I think it was week five. He had like 37 points. He absolutely went off. Everybody's hyping him up. He's like, oh, he's going to be the main guy. Next week he's going to get the start. The following week he got five points. And he saw little to no work. And that's just how they run their offense. If, if you go into the start of the year and you're like, Raheem Mostert's the guy, Raheem Mostert's the guy. And then week one, Raheem Mostert's doing okay. And then Tevin Coleman comes in and rips off a 70-yard touchdown. Guess who's getting the ball the rest of the game? It's going to be Tevin Coleman. And then next week, when you're hyping up Tevin Coleman, maybe it's Derek McKinnon. Maybe it's Jeff Wilson Jr. Maybe it's the fucking fullback who has led the team in targets per game over the last three years. So it's just... It's absolutely insane to uh, try to draft Raheem, Raheem Mostert as your running back three, trying to rely on him on a week-to-week basis. Like, it, I might as well take Tevin Coleman in the ninth if you're going to take a chance on a 49 running back. Or might as well take Jarek McKinnon in the 15th, 16th round because you're at least getting him for free and you don't have to worry about that week-to-week risk, but he still has that upside. So um, 
Yeah, I'm a hard pass on Raheem Moster. He put on weight because he wants to take more carries. Well, that's bullshit because he can put on all the weight he wants. Doesn't mean he's getting any more work. He's just he's going to be the one A going into the season. He had to argue with the team to be paid as a running back and not a special teams player. They weren't just going to give that to him. They were ready. They were fully prepared to go into the year with him on a special teams contract. Like that doesn't. They, they ended up paying him it's two or three million more, whatever the hell it is, but. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm I'm a huge Raheem Mostert hater. Yeah, no, me too. Um, I think one of the things to to note about him for people that do believe in him, I mean, like he was undrafted, which like that's not really a great argument, but I mean, he was on five teams, five different teams in his first two seasons. Um, prior to last year, he had only had 41 career rushing attempts in four seasons. So I don't think that in four seasons everyone was just happened to miss the talent. I think one of the biggest things that people that are listening to it that are Raheem Mostert believers are like, oh, well, he had 220 yards and four touchdowns in the NFC Championship last year. This guy didn't start the Super Bowl. <laughs> Tevin Coleman got hurt in the NFC Championship, and that's why he got all the work, and he produced really well. But Tevin Coleman started the Super Bowl after his 220-yard game. He only had 14 catches last year. And during his biggest six-week stretch, the best six-week stretch that Raheem Mostert had all year down the stretch last year in the second half of the season, he only averaged 12.8 touches per game. So he was a top-five running back, averaging only 12.8 touches per game. And that's just not touches you want to rely on, especially when he was producing so well. And then you have Tevin Coleman in there. Jarek McKinnon's getting good reports in camp, like you said so far. I just don't, don't see it when Kyle Shanahan is – really been like a hot hand guy and not like a let's give this guy the work and i just yeah i am completely off raheem most this year yep that's where i am so yeah so that being said that is our each of our five biggest running back busts and players to avoid so joe i appreciate you coming on again and uh yeah i'd love to have you on again sometime soon yeah absolutely i got nothing to do you know yeah, for sure. <laughs> Is there anything you're working on that you want to let the listeners know about or anything you want to plug? Uh, nothing specifically. Just I uh, have my new webcam coming in on Tuesday, so I hope we can get the YouTube back up and going. But, um, yeah, not, not not too much going on right now. I like it. Well, that's, that's never a bad thing, so you're not staying too busy. But, yeah, uh, yeah, no, but I appreciate you coming on, and this is another another really good episode, and I hope that everyone listening still agrees with, I mean, agrees with everything that we're saying. But if you're still listening this far, um, please leave us a review, give me some feedback, anything. I always want to try to make this the best possible podcast I, I can, especially when I can get great guests like Joe on and to really help and bring some good analysis. So that being said, if you're still listening, thank you so much. And I hope you all have a great rest of your day.